0: Hi, friends. Thanks for listening to the Louder Vision podcast for creative people. I'm your host, filmmaker and artist Laura Mioli. Before we meet today's guest, I wanted to tell you about a great resource for finding pre-made sound effects and music for your next project. They're all royalty-free, which means you can use these elements in your videos and social media content. You can post it online, make money, and have fun creating without worrying about getting sued. So, getting unlimited stock audio downloads for less than $100 with my special link to Audioblocks, which you can find on my website, loudavision.com. Unlike almost all other stock music sites, you're getting an unlimited amount of downloads for one full year. You can download and use as many tracks as you need and keep using it forever. Even if you cancel your subscription after the first year, those tracks you downloaded are still yours to keep and you're not paying per track or for how long you're using their audio which is what I did for a long time with other sites whenever I need music or sound effects for my podcasts or for my videos. I was paying about $50 to $100 per song and that was the cheapest around until now. So if you need music or sound effects for your projects, try Audioblocks with my special 90% off discount code available now at Loudovision com. Let's get started on today's vision podcast. We're bringing together creative people of all types to break the stereotype of the starving and struggling artist by sharing ways to make money from our creative endeavors. I'm your host, Laura Mioli, and today's guest is John T. Tregonis. He's the author of Crowdfunding for Filmmakers, and he's also Indiegogo's head film and creative campaign strategist. Hi, John. Thanks for coming on the podcast.
1: Hey, Laura, thank you so much for having me. I'm definitely really excited to be here.
0: Awesome. So tell us what you do at Indiegogo. That's awesome that you work there.
1: Yeah, it's, uh, it's a pretty awesome job. And it's uh, yeah, it's been four years now. So uh, this is actually the start of my fifth year.
0: Congratulations.
1: Which makes me quite a bit of a veteran. Yeah, thanks. Which is nice. I got a nice little seniority there. So it's, it's kind of neat. Um, But yeah, I am their uh, head film and creative campaign strategist. And what that translates to is I'm the guy who works on definitely all of the big $100,000 and up campaigns for film and creative, which is like music, gaming, art, photography, comics, etc. And I give advice, consult, and sometimes give ideas to, you know, make the campaigns raise uh, more funds from more backers than they would without somebody like me kind of behind the scenes, uh, giving them that advice.
0: Nice. So you're the true crowdfunding expert. (laughs) That's what I hear. And, uh, you know,
1: I mean, I'll I'll take it, you know, it it works for me.
0: (laughs) So before we talk about your book, which I read and I loved, in addition to being an author and a speaker, I found you from a TED talk that I was watching about crowdfunding. Nice. And I just wanted to know, what was it like giving a TED talk? Yeah, no, that's
1: that's a good question. Let me bring myself back because I, I think that was in late 2014 I did that and it was awesome. To do a, a TED Talk is like, all right, where do you go from there <laughs> kind of thing. you know. It's, it's like a pretty high thing there. I loved it. It was definitely very different for me because it, it was a little bit, I'm a speaker, I'm a performance poet, I do a lot of things. I'm no stranger to a stage, but I am a stranger to rehearsing over and over again, a script. I'm the kind of guy that I, I read it a little bit and then I go up there and I just, as long as I know what I got to hit, the points I got to hit, I, I like to just kind of riff off of it. So the TED Talk was a little bit stifling for me. So if that talk and my movements, I'm much less comfortable. Most people can't tell that, but I'm much less comfortable Than some of the other videos I've done, where it's just me doing my thing and being allowed to like explore as I'm actually doing the talking and working off of the crowd. So, the TED Talk, great experience, but it was a challenge for me to do like four drafts and I almost didn't make it into that one. And one of the people knew that I could do it and they gave me like a second chance and then I I wowed them uh, with that. But then I had to like just rewrite the script a bunch of times and it was just. Yeah, at the end of the day, it was just too rehearsed for what I like to uh, present out to the world.
0: Yeah, because I like your Instagram because you're putting up these videos every day when you're just walking Mm -hmm. and you're telling us things. And I feel like that's so unique and engaging because it's just you talking.
1: Yeah, and that's me. That's the real me. It's just, hey, this is what I learned this morning, you know, as I was stretching and doing yoga, you know, here, here. And I'm sharing that and it's totally unrehearsed. I don't even listen to them until I accidentally see them later on in the day. So a lot of times I just do it and it's done.
0: That is very brave. <laughs> you just post it. No yeah, filter. exactly.
1: No, no. Filter. <laughs> when I first did it, I would do five videos and I'd have to choose one. And then it was just like killing my morning completely. So I was like, yeah, I can't really can't really keep that up.
0: <laughs> yeah. So let's learn some more about crowdfunding your book is called crowdfunding for filmmakers. And what I like about it is you talk about crowdfunding in comparison with the ancient Chinese philosophy of Taoism. Am I saying that right? Uh, it's
1: actually, it's, it's strange. It's Ta- Taoism.
0: Taoism with like a yeah, D, and, but it's a T. Yeah. <laughs> yeah,
1: and, and I probably should have done the D because, you know, it's now proper to use the D, but I still kind of, I don't know. I'm, I like the Chinese version. Well,
0: you're, you're <laughs> trigonist. So, you know, you got to do the T. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> So Taoism talks about the importance of keeping the universe and self in proper balance, going with the flow and not challenging it and embracing simplicity and gentleness above all else. I'm stealing this from your book, just to explain what it is. Sounded
1: familiar. I was like, Yeah,
0: no, I stole it from your book. I'm admitting it. So now when most people think of crowdfunding, we think of these aggressive sales tactics, and we almost feel like we're bothering people sometimes. But how did you come up with the idea to approach crowdfunding from this perspective of Taoism?
1: Um, I actually learned it firsthand. And then I incorporated into the book because I knew that it was the only way that I would be able to actually write a 250 page book about financing films Uh. because it's a boring topic, you know, in a lot of ways to a lot of people. And especially to me, because I'm just like, well, I just wanted to make a film. Let me crowdfund. But I wanted to make it more digestible and give a bigger meaning to people out who are reading it. So, you know, maybe if they don't crowdfund because they realize they read my book and they're like, oh, crowdfunding is not for me. Maybe they'll get into the philosophy and that could change their life. But I learned it firsthand through crowdfunding because I did it in uh, 2010 and I had no idea what I was doing. And part of my reason to crowdfund was, you know, because I could use a little extra money and pay some people that might not get paid. Because always good. <laughs> I didn't have money and it's always a good thing. You know, even like, hey, you, you pay a PA all of a sudden, you know, it, it makes their day, you know, when they were originally working for experience. But I also did it because I did not believe crowdfunding worked. I was like a complete oh. like, I did not believe the internet was going to give me $5,000 to make my little dinky short film. <laughs> and uh, and I was horrifically proven wrong and converted like Constantine on the battlefield uh, <laughs> when he saw The Crucifix. And he was like, I get it, yeah, you know? Yeah. Because when I went into crowdfunding, I did it for the wrong reason. I did it, obviously, to prove it wrong. That's definitely the wrong reason. But I also did it for the money. I was like, I could use $5,000. Obviously, that's what crowdfunding is. You're asking for money. And then I realized when I started getting a lot of these contributions from strangers that I had just been talking to for a few months on Twitter. and, And most of my money came from Twitter, not even from family and friends. I'm still, to this day, a big anomaly with that. But when I realized that, I literally had to you know, shut down for a day and process this. And that's when I figured out I'm going about this harder rather than smarter. I'm doing it for money when I should be doing it because of this community. And as soon as I started working and giving to the community, then just like you know, going with the flow, you give, you get. And that's kind of when it clicked. And I was like, this reminds me of Taoism a lot. And I went back to my Tao Te Ching, which is the, uh, the Taoist book. Uh, And I started reading that and then it was kind of helping me to really see this crowdfunding thing as not about funding, but about the word that comes right before the funding, which is the crowd. And if you make it about that, the funding is a byproduct comes and this is something that today it's just people just still they don't want to accept that philosophy they just they jump in they want the money and that's why we see a lot of people with you know i want fifty thousand dollars and they get five thousand because that's the amount of work you did and that's the amount of community engagement you did if you want fifty thousand you got to that you know and you you got to just again still going with that flow but you've got to do it you know my tree hugging statement for the right reason yeah but it's, it's absolute fact, though. That, but again, firsthand, and it really moved me and affected me. Because I've been a kind of guy that I I just don't like money at all. I do not like what it stands for. I mm-hmm. do not like capitalism. I'm not into any of this stuff. Yet, actually, back then I wasn't. But now, because of all of this, I'm kind of like, I get it. If you do it for the right reasons.
0: Well, yeah, as creative people, we have a hard time talking about money. Um, mm-hmm. It often gets us in a lot of trouble. Oh, yeah. And then... For myself, I'm in the early stages of developing and thinking about my crowdfunding campaign for my show Community TV. Mm. And honestly, it feels like a bother and it feels like I'm going to be begging people for money. And there's like a shame associated with it. But how do we overcome that shame of asking people for help? Because a lot of creative people, they don't want to even think about money. They don't want to make their budget. They don't want to do the things that get people success in crowdfunding on indiegogo for sure
1: yeah i think um it's a mindset thing and and i think one big takeaway that your audience can definitely get here is you need to convince yourself that it is not asking for money and the way to convince yourself is believe it simple as that so again i've changed the language of how i present things I'm, i'm the only person who probably doesn't call the campaign video a pitch video because pitch all of a sudden you're putting on a suit and tie and Business person asking for money. No. And it took me three years to realize that. Like that's not what it's about. So I changed the word pitch video and pitch in general to invitation. Ah. I came up with this whole thing in the TED Talk because as I was practicing one of the first drafts, I was talking about my what I called my three Ps years ago, which is the three Ps of a successful campaign. You need a pitch, you need perks, and you need promotion. And- worked in 2010 to about 2013, 14. Now, it's like, just like marketing is a bad word, crowdfunding is almost becoming a bad word because it's associated erroneously with begging for money, asking for money, and it's a hassle when you, as a backer or a potential backer, you get that email from your friend that says, hey, I'm making this thing, I need some money, here's my campaign draft. But I then realized as I was doing my TED Talk, uh, the rehearsing of it, um. So something good came out of the rehearsing, I guess. <laughs> I changed those things because everybody was just taking it too seriously. And it's not that serious because you can't sell to people if you want them to actually give you their money. You have to mask it in a certain way. So the pitch is now the invitation. They're called the three ins. I couldn't find a better title. <laughs> the three ins of crowdfunding, or as I like to say, it, three ways to get people into your crowdfunding campaign. And number one is the invitation. That's your pitch. You're going to invite them in to your world, to the world of your film, to the world of whatever you're trying to do. Don't just be like, hey, I want to do this. I could use your help. No. Who are you? I've got 15 other friends that need my help, and I'm not giving any of them you know, because know, are asking me for money. But the minute you give them an offer they can't refuse, you make an invitation into the world of making this film, and all it costs them is minimum $10. Well, now, now you've got somebody saying, you know what, I'm getting an experience out of this. This person wants my help. So it's really just changing that mindset and and creatives. I can go into the other two ends later, maybe, but I want to stay focused on your on this great question, because it is a mindset thing. And that's how I got through it. For my second campaign that I did for my comic book, it's like I used my own philosophy. It was an invitation. I was bringing people into that world, and I was giving, 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 so that all they had to do then was, I want more. I like what he's given me. Boom. The money was in. But you got to kind of give, give, give first, and then you accept and you earn it. And it's just, it is a hard thing because a lot of creatives are introverts, And as my colleague, Mark Hofstadter, he's our head of film at Indiegogo. He had this great saying that I heard on a podcast that he said, and he's like, I'm going to paraphrase it, but it was like the age of the shy filmmaker is over.
0: Yeah, you can't be shy anymore.
1: Can't be shy. And it doesn't mean you have to be a jerk because that's not going to get you anywhere either. You got to be a little bit outgoing. And if you can't be outgoing, you got to be passionate about your project. And you got to get that passion across because if you can't, there's 50 other filmmakers that are going to be 10 times more passionate, 10 times more outspoken, and raise 10 times more money than you ever will from 10 times the amount of audience members. And then sitting there in front of the computer, you know, with, with a film that nobody actually wants to see because you're not out there. And it's a sad thing, but it's, it's a reality. So we do have to kind of start convincing ourselves that crowdfunding is not about asking for money. It's about offering a larger experience to our backers. And when we get that, we can do that.
0: Cool. So crowdfunding seems like such a huge undertaking and especially I felt like I had to read your book before I could even think about making a crowdfunding campaign because there's just so much that goes into it and to make a successful campaign you don't want to put something out there and then fail. So what is one tip you can give filmmakers for creating a successful campaign and just one because I'm sure they'll go out and get your book and read all the great tips but just one small tip we can use to get started.
1: All uh, right, like 15 of them are popping in my head right now. Um, <laughs> but uh, it's it's hard to whittle it down to one because can I do like one and a half? Okay, fine. Um, all right, cool. All right, so the half is one that you actually kind of alluded to, which is your goal, right? Looking at your goal and setting the right goal. Your budget may be $50,000. You might not be able at this point in time to get $50,000 because the general rule is, If you can't get 30% of that amount from family and friends, you probably will be struggling to get to the full 100% because that first third, if your family and friends aren't putting in, the general public nowadays is going to be like, well, why should I put in? Yeah. The one thing that kind of disregards that, for lack of the word I can't think of, is if you have an amazing idea, you know, it's like everybody thinks it's amazing the minute it goes out and you have a viral video and it just attracts people to the story of the film, then you probably might not need your family and friends because you have that cool of an idea. We all think our ideas are that cool. They're not.
0: (laughs) Usually not.
1: Those are the unicorns that in the tech world is a unicorn, you know, not everybody's gonna be Facebook and Twitter. Mm -hmm. Twitter's a bad example, Facebook and Snapchat. (laughs) But you have a film and you're gonna have an audience, but it just might be a smaller audience. So you wanna set a goal because like you said, you don't want it to be on your permanent record because a crowdfunding campaign doesn't go away. Yeah. Stays there. You Google that ten years from now, it will come up, you know, and it will say you failed. And again, failure. I don't look at it that way, like hitting the goal or not, but the general public does. It's like, oh, it's a successful campaign because it hit its goal. So you've got to cater to these people because they're going to want to see that goal hit. So you set a smaller goal, you do what I say, and you shoot low and aim high. Hit that goal in half the time, and then you ascend to hitting the real goal that you initially wanted. But at least you've got that taken care of. The smaller goal, it's done Now we can go for the actual goal that you have inside of your head. That's the half rule. And the one thing that people can definitely do, and it's becoming more and more important, is designing their campaign, not just having a bunch of text. I still get campaigns that launch. They don't know to come to me at Indiegogo and be like, hey, can you look at my campaign? They don't know that sometimes, you know, because they didn't read my book. And it says in my book. At the very, I think it says in the very end you can talk to me, but I'm not sure. Actually, I haven't read that last page in a while. But <laughs> I think there's something there. But, you know, again, people see me all the time. Most of them kind of do know that they can reach out to me, send me a draft. But those don't. They'll launch and then I'll check it out because they'll ask me to contribute. And then, you know, if it's not 30% funded, I don't contribute, you know, because it's like that's not going to get to the goal. And then I look at it, and then I'm like, oh, here's why it's not getting funded, because it's all text. It's boring. You're a filmmaker. Number one rule is don't be boring.
0: Okay. Number
1: two rule is you're a filmmaker. You don't write. You shoot. You work in visuals. So your campaign should be an extension of the movie that you're hoping to make, which means none of these bold and slightly bigger font headers. no. Design a banner in Photoshop and lay them out. Make it look nice. I'm a pie chart snob. And did I see a pie chart that looks like something out of Microsoft Office? I'm just like, guys, come on. Get creative. You're filmmakers or you're not. And And I'm very passionate about this because it's important. You want to immerse me. Remember, I said it's about the invitation. This is part of inviting me in. I am not going to spend five minutes of my time as a backer as a potential backer, reading your campaign. I might watch your video. The video should be pretty good, but I'm not going to read the rest of it if it's all text. I want to see, get a visual representation of how awesome this story is because the video tells me what your story is and the campaign page is going to tell me how awesome your movie's story is or what you're trying to do is. And that is going to be the thing that gets me in. So the more visual, the better. And it's becoming more important simply because Nobody's reading. Our attention spans are dwindling to the size of gnat eggs. And it's just, we just don't have the time, or we think we don't have the time.
0: It's unfortunate. But Harry. it's a very good tip because a lot of stuff is online, a lot of stuff is available. And there are so many campaigns that we can contribute to. And if you find a really flashy, gorgeous campaign, even if the content is not as good, shiny things, you know?
1: Right. (laughs) And that's a great point. It's like, believe me, I've seen a lot of campaigns where I'm like, how the hell did that get funded? I mean, it's just the idea is not my cup of tea. But I found myself looking and being like, oh, wow, that's kind of cool. All right. You know, it's, it's mostly in a lot of gaming campaigns. I'm not a big gamer, but like, Sometimes I see them and I'm like, all right, I'm not into this, but man, these are kind of cool. That that board game looks neat. And I almost kind of want to buy it just because these visuals are getting me in. They're sucking me in. And again, if a filmmaker can't do those things on his own or her own, that's fine. Hire somebody, get somebody to do it. Photoshop is so, it's out there. Every third person in, in a row of 10 knows how to use Photoshop. Yeah. So there's no real excuses. The design might not be the greatest, but at least it's better than bold, you know?
0: That's true. And Photoshop is something that anyone can learn. You just remind me to tell people about my free Photoshop tutorial at loudavision.com. But I'll teach anybody that wants to learn any level, even if you've never used Photoshop before, how to retouch photos, how to move within the program. And so that's a good resource that could get you started to make your crowdfunding campaign.
1: Yeah, I think that's a great resource. I mean, I still can't understand layers. <laughs> you know, it's like the hardest thing, and you know, I still make my like when I have to make a poster, I do it like a collage. I cut things out and stuff because I'm just I don't have Photoshop either because it's kind of pricey. But but yeah, it's just like these things. There's always ways around it. And the education, you know it. It's out there. You you know it's it's out there. You Just gotta like type.
0: <laughs> yeah, check it out. As creative people, how do we strike a balance between? Crowdfunding, which seems so money focused, and being passionate about our project, so we have this creative side, but then we have to put on this other hat of being a money person. It seems like a, just a different skill that doesn't always go together.
1: Um, that's a great question, uh, Laura. Wow, I mean, I would say, and I'm talking as a creative, like I, I've got, I'm just as much creative as anything else. I think there is no difference when it comes to crowdfunding. If you want an investor. And you can get an investor. Investors are easy to get nowadays. Everybody's looking to give money to something. You just got to have some contacts. Then you have to be a little bit of a business person. You have to you have to know. You have to put on the mask, you know, and be like, oh, I'm passionate. This is a great project. Button up your shirt and tie and then be like, and here's my plan of how we're going to make money for you and this and that. That world, yes, you have to do that. In the crowdfunding world, if you do that, you will not get funded unless you're doing some kind of a tech project. But even then... Nobody wants to see a suit and tie at this point. Nobody wants to see somebody too stiff and rigid and talking about money, money, money. This isn't mad money, that TV show, you know, it's not, it's, and even that, that show is the only way people can watch that is because of that guy's personality. That guy's got the knowledge. I don't even know his name. Cause I watched like one episode, <laughs> but I've seen him because he's that he's animated and that's all it takes. That's the passion. So as creatives, We just need to be just as creative in our campaigning as we would be in the writing and the producing and the shooting and the editing of our films. That's something that a lot of people don't do because it takes a lot of time and because they still think that crowdfunding is about the money. That's how I know they think crowdfunding is about the money. They take it too serious. And crowdfunding does not have to be serious. The more serious it is, the less likely you're going to get funded. Because if you're not having a good time, I make the joke, right? It's crowdfunding. No, the fun is in the crowd, you know, the word, you know, and it's really because I don't want to see the word funding, you know, so I have to see it a different way because funding is boring and adult and I don't feel like adulting anytime soon. You know, I'm 30. I'm going to be 39 this month. I don't want to like grow up yet. I'm still 18 in my mind. And that's the key. Don't grow up, make your films, be crazy and win people when you invite them in because you're inviting them into your crazy world and the crazy world of the thing you're trying to produce. And if you do that, yeah, obviously you have to tell them like, oh, by the way, your money is going to go towards X, Y, and Z. That's what the cool looking pie charts for. Yeah. That's relevant and still reminds us of what your film is about, you know, because that's how it goes. You're not going to give them a budget breakdown. We don't need that yeah. stuff.
0: Nobody wants to see an Excel spreadsheet. The,
1: oh, forget <laughs> it. It's a death. kiss of death. <laughs> no. And so I think you're right on with, yes, this is what people think that they have to put a mask on. But it. In the world we live in today, we don't want masks. We want the real person. Even on social media, we, like, again, I always think back to, like, the days of MySpace when you were, you know, when we were, like, J-97, you know, whatever, you know, what's stupid, like, so that nobody knew who you were. And then Facebook came around and everybody, it was real names.
0: And they want your last name and everything.
1: They want your last name because it, it gives us trust and trust is the linchpin that uh, crowdfunding is built on top of. That's the foundation. Trust. We have to be able to trust that you do know how to do your craft of making a movie. And that's where you got to be creative and cool and passionate. But we also got to trust that you're giving us enough information where we know where our money is going to go because it still is our money until we make that contribution and it becomes your money.
0: But speaking of money, how do we compete with these Spike Lee and all these other famous celebrities who are using crowdfunding for their projects and getting these huge amounts? So we're just an everyday John, everyday Laura, like just regular people. How do we compete with that?
1: The quick answer is we don't because it's two different levels. They are not taking away from any of us. And that's the misconception that a lot of people have out there. I had it, too, because, again, I'm like, the hell are these celebrities? They have
0: money. Yeah,
1: they have. (laughs) And that's also slightly a misconception. Most of them, honestly, they do have the money. They're not crowdfunding for the funding. They're crowdfunding for the crowd, which means, strangely enough, they're doing it 110 percent right. They're doing it for the right reasons. Of course, it depends on the story they want to tell, you know, you look at people like Zach Braff he got what i call braff lashed you know where everybody was giving him backlash on his campaign because he did stupid things you know and he said things that and he went against those things and you don't do that because what did he do he, well <laughs> what didn't he do uh, <laughs> he raised money even though when you google him he's worth So much more than what he was trying to raise, which means he's got that money. His video was, "Eh," you know, he was doing it really to get his friends involved. But the big thing that he did is he took money when he said he wouldn't take any corporate type money from distributors and things like that. And when he went to Cannes, he took a deal and it pissed off all of the people, all the backers. And then that was one. And then when the movie premiered at Sundance, I think it was Sundance, uh, a lot of backers who paid like think uh, about a year earlier to get into this premiere could not get in. And that was a big issue. So again, you got to do it right. Yeah. Not just for the right reason, but again, like he got a lot of backlash. Spike Lee got initially got backlash Um, because his first video came across as, you know, a bit of a jerk with a huge ego and he wasn't getting funding. And then he, he realized that wasn't the right video. And he did a new one. And then he did a great job with the campaign. I worked with Don Cheadle and his team on the Miles Ahead campaign. And they were concerned, too. Like, what if we get this backlash? And I'm like, you guys aren't because Don has an amazing story. He's tried to get this movie done, through Hollywood. And they're all interested, but they don't want him directing it. And that's a beautiful story to the audience and be like, Hey guys, I want to direct this film. Hollywood's not going to let me, I want to make this with you guys. And he's not trying for $2 million. He was trying for 200 something thousand. So there was a lot of good strategy that went into keeping that down. But when you look at all of these people, Mm -hmm. they're no different than any of us. We're filmmakers, right? I've spent my own money for the last ten years on every single one of my films. I do not add up how much I've spent, yeah, because it would make me sick to my stomach. I know, <laughs> and I'd think like, wow, I could have been living life and going yeah. on vacations, but I did not. I made movie upon movie upon movie, one movie a year for ten years, mm-hmm. uh, short films, mm-hmm. you know. But again, between five and twenty-five thousand dollars each, so it adds up, and like i'm at the point now you know i'm getting up there in age and i'm like well the next movie i make i'm not spending my own money because why should i and and that's the idea that's their mentality too the celebrities why should we and that's our mentality with crowdfunding why should i spend my own money or in our case all of my own money yeah some of it cuz we got to put it in all of those celebrity campaigners they put in too Mm-hmm. to their own camp you know not into their campaigns, but they put money in and they were asking for additional you know and that's the key thing is like that's how you escape that but in terms of competing with them we're at a totally different level they don't come around often when's the last million dollar celebrity campaign we've seen it's been a while because crowdfunding is still for the people you know and for the people who truly need it which is you know us and the only thing we have to compete with now is each other because all of us have great ideas it's just we got to hit that you know family and friends base so we build up enough money in the bank 30% worth roughly so that when somebody pitches it to me i'm kind of excited not only by the person behind the idea and the idea but i'm also excited because this thing is actually looking like it's going to happen and at my money can actually push them forward even more. Versus, I get your campaign; it's two percent funded, and then I get my other friends, and his is twenty four percent. It's like, really, who am I going to give my money to?
0: Well, you want to do them have the most impact,
1: exactly. Mm-hmm. Yep,
0: and you want to win.
1: You know, like yeah. You know, so it, we live in a culture of like winning, and and it's like, well, what does that mean? Well, it simply means, I guess. Yeah, what does winning mean? That's a different.
0: Charlie Sheen. I, well, yeah. <laughs> yeah.
1: What's he doing these days, right? Um, but yeah, but it's like we want we want to bet on that winning horse and, and we want to feel like, hey, we, we made the right decision by putting into your campaign and your film.
0: So it sounds like from your Zach Braff example that we have to have integrity.
1: Oh, beautiful word. Yep. That's actually one of the tenets of Taoism.
0: Oh, okay. And you know, when you said that you're looking for a new way for your three ins, Yeah, I wanted to go off on a tangent because there's this wrestler. I don't know if you watch wrestling.
1: (laughs) I used to when I was younger and I loved it. But so Kurt
0: Angle had the three eyes. It was integrity, intelligence, and something else. But integrity is one of the. (laughs) So you made me think of Kurt Angle.
1: All right, cool. Well, you know what? I I actually used to call them the three eyes too, but I I was afraid people were going to think like eyeballs, and I was like. "Ah." But, but then that might even make sense because it's like the third eye. But you know, oh, I
0: don't, yeah, maybe getting
1: more metaphysical. Here. We, <laughs> we got to keep moving. We got. <laughs> yeah, this is gonna get deep real fast.
0: Yeah. So, what are some other rewards of running a good crowdfunding campaign besides the funding and the crowd? Yeah,
1: that's a great question. I don't get that often. Uh, nice. I'd say, I mean, number one is the audience. Mm-hmm, that's the mm-hmm. one reason you should do crowdfunding because, you know, like I said, getting an investor, it's easy enough these days, but th- you will not, when you get that money, you will not get an audience. You're still going to have to build that one up because mm-hmm. they're not going to do it either, you know? So, audience is number one. I guess funding would be number two. I think, third, I mean, if I had to like the, the next thing that's important, I would probably say further funding. And what I mean by that is I have seen campaigns. Even unsuccessful ones, unsuccessful being, they didn't hit their goal, but they got money and they got awareness. And actually, so take that back. Awareness is the, the, the big thing and okay. that will lead to further funding. The awareness factor, you launch a campaign, you run it, whether it's successful or not, if you're putting in the work, you're spreading the word, you're trying to get it out to a lot of people and it just doesn't hit the goal, that's fine. Or if it does hit the goal, it's even better. But what it does, if there's an investor looking, and they see this, and they like the idea, and they see that you've made some traction on it. I've seen people get money from investors because the investor found them on a site like Indiegogo. Oh. So you can find actual investors, even on a, on some failed campaigns, you know, or, or less than successful campaigns. So that's, I would say, and that's a direct result of the awareness factor, because a lot of times people get let down. Is like, oh, I did all this work. I was promoting and promoting and promoting and it just it I didn't hit my goal but it's like yeah but you built up your your twitter following you built up your facebook fan page like you've done all this other stuff that's a success too and that's the part that we don't fully see a lot of times Obviously, if you do, if you crowdfund on another platform where it's like only all or nothing, where you have to hit the goal or you don't get anything, obviously, then it feels like a little bit more of a failure because you just wasted all that time. And you don't get any money for it. Yeah. And maybe you were only $500 shy of your goal and you just couldn't find the rest of it. You know, it sucks, but it happens. But that's probably a little bit more of a failure. But like with Indiegogo, when you're doing like flexible funding and you wanted 50,000, but you got 15,000. Thousand bucks in your pocket, and that is awareness that you might not have had otherwise. So it's kind of like a win win there, and then who knows who's looking.
0: That's true but when it comes to these investors that almost seems like a myth like there's no such thing as an investor who's going to come along and say i have two million dollars for your film like is that real well
1: so here's the thing i love these questions uh, laura they, these are great
0: thank you that investor that's probably a myth
1: <laughs> they're not going to give two million dollars to a film that they find necessarily on a crowdfunding site but there are a lot of five thousand dollar and ten thousand dollar investors out there um i know a lot of them them and I've seen them. I've, I've had them ask me to find out why campaigns that I've been working with are asking $10,000 or $20,000 for an executive producer credit when normally these people are used to paying 5000 for those in the crowdfunding world. Oh. And again, that's going through the platform, but off platform, you can find people that will reach out to you and be like, hey, listen, I can invest 10,000. And again, 10,000, maybe that doesn't seem like a lot. But if you need $40,000 to make a feature, uh, you know, a, a little core horror feature or something, you know, something dirt cheap, and you've only made 5000, well, that $10,000 is going to help a great deal. Yeah. And Yeah, you just off platform, you give that person whatever percentage you agree with. And that's that you and you make your movie, you know, and it was a result of that campaign. So the big money, the deep pocket donors, as I as I call them, you know, yeah, they they are kind of a myth, but as crowdfunding matures i mean it's still it's not in its infancy it's it's finally learning how to walk now it's been crawling for quite some time now it's like walking and it's like confident of where it's going for the future it's going to start appealing to those slightly larger ones maybe the 100,000 dollar investor will be looking at platforms and being like wow this one was good they raised $100,000, I'm going to match that, you know, mm-hmm. uh, reach out to these people offline, you know, so I, I, I kind of foreshadow that happening.
0: Okay.
1: $2 million investors, not sure that's happening.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll take your other investor friends, you can just send me their information. <laughs> <laughs>
1: well, I'm, I'm saving them for me too. <laughs> of
0: course. Um, so what is the most unique or fun perk that you've seen on Indiegogo for a film or video campaign?
1: Ah, nice. I would say, I'm going to be honest. Lately, I haven't been seeing like really amazing ones. I've been giving a lot of ideas for amazing ones for a lot of campaigns. The the issue becomes sometimes they just don't have enough time to figure out if they can actually do them. Um, And sometimes they don't want to do the work because a lot of my ideas will save money, but you will be spending a lot of time doing certain things. So I'll just give you an example. Like you look at like one of my favorite ones is it's an old campaign. I talk about it all the time. I talked about it in my book, movie called 20 million people. I mean, this guy, Mike, Michael Farrell, he's awesome guy, made a film, raised, uh, he won $10,000, ran an Indiegogo, got 13,000, made a great film, screened at over two dozen film festivals. And one of his best perks, one of the best perks I've ever seen, $25, he will write you a choose your own adventure style romantic comedy. <laughs> And when you think about that, yeah, oh, that's cool. And it's nifty, but that's a lot of work. Yeah, it is. It's a ton of work and he's not getting paid. He's getting paid $25 each.
0: Mm
1: -hmm. He's doing a lot more work than the money he's getting, but that's part of crowdfunding. You got to give, 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 like I said before, before you get, because what happens is you, you do these, you know, and people like them, they share them, they spread the word, it builds from there. The same thing with the poems that I did for my campaign for Cerise, which was probably, you know, at the time, nobody was doing cool stuff like that, because they didn't know to, I came up with I'm like, I'm gonna do this write people poems. And my fiance came up with that idea actually, you know, and then I, I thought like, well, that's a lot of work, and it was a lot of work, but I reaped the benefits of doing that work. Um, and it was the hardest work I probably ever had to do, you know, honestly, but it was 100 worth it because I was getting them out during the campaign and it became marketing for me and for the campaign because we put them together in a Photoshop document, you know, lay them out, send them to the person, post it on their Facebook wall. And all of a sudden, their friends are seeing it. Their friends want one because it's in the form of their name. And they're like, well, I want my name. And they reach out and go to Indiegogo and contribute to this short film called Cerise. Whether they like films or not, it doesn't even matter at that point. They want a poem from a Pulitzer. uh, not Pulitzer (laughs) (laughs) One day. Um, one day, I hope. Yeah, really. No, it didn't even matter if they wanted the actual see the film. They were just like, "Oh wow, a poem using my name from a, a Pushkar Prize nominated poet. I want that, and only ten dollars. Very, very simple." So, yeah, these are the, the the cooler kind of perks. You know, you're probably aware we're living in this world where like nostalgia is the biggest thing in the universe um, right now. And my favorite perks are. You know, I'm a hipster. I, I'm not going <laughs> to I like, you know, the limited edition vinyl, even though I don't even own a record player, of the soundtrack <laughs> of the movie. Like, those are the things that I like. The, the, the mixtape. Yeah. If it's an 80s-themed type of thing. You know, like, there's just... These are the kind of things that are, are what I call standard definition, but they've got a little bit of personality because if you're curating each mixtape, That's the personal three-dimensional touch. I have those three perks in my book that I lay out, the uh, standard definition, which is the merch, the high definition, which are experiential perks, and the uh, three-dimensional, which are the personalized ones. And you can mix and match those and, you know, make a very standard thing like a cassette tape very personal by just sitting there and putting together a mixtape one by one by one. Mm Mm-hmm. Your backers, and you know, a little label that says Triggs Mix, you know, like Mm -hmm. it's little things like that. That's the kind of stuff that is going to make you stand out as a campaigner. Depending on if you have that luxury in the film that you're trying to do.
0: But also, I like that your book talks about making perks that are authentic to our project. Yep. So, not making a mixtape if your film has nothing to do with absolutely the '80s or the '90s or whatever.
1: Absolutely, it's got to be relevant because when they get that perk. The purpose of it is if I listen to that tape, I got to remember the movie that I funded to get that tape. Mm. And it's got to be relevant because if it's not, it's just the tape. Who cares? You know, and that's the thing. Why did I do poems? My movie was about a former spelling bee champion who's haunted by the word that took him down. My whole movie was about words spelling so my campaign was an extension of that everything had to do with words and poetry poetry because that was also my connection so i was able to connect not only my movie to my backers but me as a person to my backers and again i was the first person to do this because everybody else was just like "Uh, let me let me just you know try to get my album funded and i'll give you the album it's like a pre-sales campaign and those are boring Mm mm-hmm You know, you you might, if your shit's good enough, you might make your goal. But again, in today's world, everybody's stuff's good enough. That's true. Which means you got to rise above it if you want to not have to do these kind of very personal and relevant things.
0: So what is the biggest mistake we can make in our crowdfunding campaign?
1: So the half of the thing I said before is definitely one of them. Setting too high a goal, mainly because then it's just more work to get you to where you have to be.
0: It's realistic expectations.
1: It really is being realistic with, it's looking yourself in the mirror and checking yourself and being like, I'm not Spike Lee, I'm not Don Cheadle, I'm John Tragonis and I can raise for myself $10,000. Easy, $10,000. You know, I've done it twice, 5,000 a piece. You know, I've done it off platform too Um, and I've raised a, a good amount of money like, that's my, if I want to raise a hundred thousand as John Tregonis, nope, can't do it. And I'm very comfortable saying that I can do it for somebody else. You know, they follow my tactics, but for me, I'm very comfortable knowing where I stand with my 7,000 something followers on Twitter, with my 1700 friends on Facebook. I know my network and I know my net worth because of my network and That's the key thing is most of us don't want to do that. We're like, I need fifty thousand dollars. It's my third film. It's like, oh man, have you won awards? Have you what have you done to earn it? And that's the other thing is we have to earn it at this point. You know, you have to be able to earn this the privilege of inviting people into crowdfunding your film with you. And these are just this is language that I, I typically use. Just to describe that mentality that crowdfunding is a privilege. So again, set those realistic expectations. The other side of it and the real biggest mistake we make is not having an audience before we actually crowdfund. Oh. That's the number one. I think it's the number one. I did a video of like six big mistakes for Film Courage. Mm-hmm. And like, I like last minute, I think I switched them as I was recording the video because it's just they alternate. Sometimes it's you set too high a goal, but the real big one is if you are launching your campaign and you have five Twitter followers and 200 fans on your Facebook page, and you want $50,000, you will not get anywhere near that because you're not at that level. And people don't look themselves in the mirror to understand this. So you got to be doing the work. I was able to hit $5,000 in two months of my first campaign because I spent nine months on Twitter interacting. That's why I don't call promotion promotion anymore. I call interactions the i the in interactions because promotion everybody promotes something nobody cares how many times do we just scroll mindlessly through our facebook twitter and instagram feeds and don't even look at the stuff right
0: yeah everybody's
1: promoting something interacting talking with your audience that's the key and i learned that firsthand from my campaign but also from youtubers because as you probably know There's a lot of YouTubers out there and sometimes you look at their content and it sucks. I mean, Mm -hmm. PewDiePie, like, let's be honest, biggest YouTube thing in the world. Why is he so big? Well, (laughs) to his audience all the time. Yeah, that's why. And I talked to a lot of YouTubers at VidCon, the YouTube convention, a couple of years back. And that's exactly what they told me. It's like, the secret is we make some good videos, we make some shitty videos, we get some thumbs up, thumbs down. The key thing is we talk to our audience. We answer every comment. We care about our audience. That's what filmmakers need to start doing. We need to Mm -hmm. start talking about our audience because without them, we don't have a job and we forget.
0: You make a film and nobody watches it. Yep. So what do we do if we, you know, here's like a harsh reality that could happen. What do we do if we don't reach our crowdfunding goal?
1: Good question. It depends. So if you're, you know, obviously, if you're running a flexible funding campaign, you in theory set it as a flexible funding because you may want 50000 but you can work with 20000 And I don't know any filmmaker who can't, except maybe an animation project, because sometimes those are some hard costs. But outside of that you can work with 20,000 bucks and then you could find the rest or an investor will find you because you raised $20,000 and you just set a little too high a goal. But if you're, you know, again, if you do that and you get that money, well, you have to do something. You have to do something to push it forward. And that's why I look at success as not, did it hit its goal? But well, with whatever you raised, can you make this move forward? And if the answer is yes, well, awesome. You know, then you know what? you're you just as successful as if you hit that camp, that campaign goal. If the answer is no, well, you better refund people.
0: <laughs> ah,
1: You screwed up. You should have hit fixed funding. Because should-
0: Indiegogo, to clarify for people, yep. you can keep the funding if you don't reach your goal.
1: Absolutely. There's an option for that. It's called flexible funding. I like to call it keep what you raise Okay. or keep what you earn because you've earned it. And then we also have the the other model, which is fixed funding, which is all or nothing. Mm -hmm. So, you know, if if you've run a fixed campaign, there's no sweat off your back. You don't get any money because you didn't hit that goal. So there's no sweat off your back. What I would recommend is if you're a filmmaker, you're going to take this as market research. You put it out into the world as a campaign. In theory, you did everything in your power to get people into trying to crowdfund this thing with you. And it didn't work. Guess what? Chances are. They don't want that project of yours. And if you're a filmmaker, you're going to take that project down and you're going to reach in your back pocket and pull the next idea because a filmmaker always has a next idea. The person who just wants to make a film. And that's the person that is probably not going to make movies for a living because you got to have more ideas than one. And that's an easy way. If you put out on a fixed campaign and you're not getting it funded, great. Move on to the next idea. You know, as you know, things are cyclical so, like again, I'm I'm working on a vampire script that I'm probably crowdfund a piece of. I can't do it now because vampires aren't in yet. Vampires are probably going to come back in another, uh, you know, six to eight months, probably, or maybe be another year. I have to pay attention to that world. And when it does, that's when I'm going to target my campaign to the vampire audience when it's in the periphery of everybody's minds. But again, right now, you know, I'd have to do a very different type of movie if I wanted to successfully crowdfund it. So there's a lot of these things out there that can help a filmmaker, a person who's ma- you know, making movies and wants to make movies to be able to run a campaign a little bit easier by having that audience already tapped in to a bigger zeitgeist that the crowdfunding filmmaker can then attach themselves to.
0: Okay. So it sounds like you're saying pay attention to the trends yep. and be open I mean harsh reality, but yep. maybe give up on your project and try something else.
1: Absolutely. Or give up on that particular project. I'm not yeah, saying give yeah. up on filmmaking, well, you know yeah, but, that project. But ten projects and crowdfund ten times. Maybe one of them is gonna hit. Mm-hmm. You know, but again the key thing is you gotta put your all in each one. You know, there's still people that will launch a campaign and let it sit there and they expect like the campaign is a seed for a money tree. You know, you put it there, you, you post it one time on Twitter, Facebook and your email list And then you come back two months later and you're fully funded. It's like you might as well believe in the tooth fairy and just yank out all your teeth and shove them under your pillow. It doesn't happen. You got to work. You got to hoe that field. You know, you got to cultivate it and grow that on your own. And and you got to sweat. And then like like farming. I'm totally creating this analogy right now for the first time.
0: (laughs) You got to hoe. You got to hoe. (laughs) <laughs>
1: yeah, you got to <laughs> behind the mule in the morning and plow to, to quote a Tom Waits uh, song. And you, you just got to put in that work. And then even if you put in that work, well, the crops may die. It just might not work. And then you got to do it all over again. Just like that movie, The Martian. You know, you yeah. never know what's going to happen. Something's going to kill all your crops and you got to start from scratch. That's the reality.
0: Because filmmaking is life. So we have to keep making films.
1: Absolutely. And it needs to be your life. It really does. Until one day... Maybe you won't need crowdfunding. But if that never happens, crowdfunding can definitely be helping you ultimately sustain yourself a little bit as a filmmaker.
0: Yeah. And my tip for if we don't reach our crowdfunding goal or any of our filmmaking goals when we need money for something is to use our filmmaking skills. I mean, we're so used to being resourceful as filmmakers. We have to know how to produce things. And if we don't have enough money to make something... We have to think, how else can I still make this? Maybe I can change the script in in a way that won't take away too much of the idea, but something that I can be flexible with so that I can still make it. I could still move forward with the idea. If you're really passionate about it, you have to be flexible with your idea because we don't always have a million dollars. We never really have a million dollars to make this far out idea that is in our mind. But if we can be flexible with that idea... We can actually make things that are realistic.
1: Absolutely, I, I used to have a company called Nothing Man Films, mm-hmm. and uh, Nothing Man based on the Pearl Jam song, but also because we our slogan was create something from nothing. Because mm. when we would write our scripts, we worked with what we had. Yeah. You know, that was it. That was the rule: work with what we have, what we know we have, and we were making movies for five hundred dollars and up to you know twenty thousand dollars you know, based on what we had. If we know we don't we don't know somebody who can get us into an airport and we know we're not going to go do the BS talking to the airport staff and wasting all that time to try to get an airport. We're going to find, we're going to do it in a different location. Yeah. That might be similar and, you know, run and gun it. And that's, you know, indie filmmakers, we can't ever forget the scrappy nature that we are born with. There's like independent, the genre, right? You know, like, you know, you go to Netflix and you, you know, you look at the genre of independent film. I mean, most of those are, there's a celebrity in half of those films, you know, to me, that's not indie. Indie is like really dirt. Like we're going to run and gun it, do whatever we can. But the idea is the idea. And if we have to fix things around that idea, but the central part of that idea remains intact, so be it. Mm hmm. You know, and we forget that sometimes. And we got to do that with crowdfunding, too.
0: Okay. So since we did a lot of information about crowdfunding for people out there, you are a filmmaker and you have a filmmaking background. So is there anything you're working on lately that you want to share?
1: The only stuff that I'm working on right now, I'm uh, I'm back to a feature-length vampire script called It's a Beautiful Unlife. (laughs) Okay. And uh, I've been working on that for about 10 years on and off with some – Hollywood script analysts and uh, I pitched it to studios one year when it was like a half finished draft. And uh, so I'm I'm back doing a final full revision of it now that I realized exactly what was missing. It sometimes takes a while to figure those things out. So uh, yeah, I'm looking to hopefully get the script done in the next two months, then start pitching it to get a couple of investors. And then I'd like to shoot it ideally at some point in 2018. So uh, to finally get this thing off my back, it's like a gigantic chimera clawed into my chest.
0: (laughs) It's like, get out of my
1: head already. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Absolutely, it's. Uh, but the fact that I'm still working on it after all these years is a testament to the fact that I really believe in it. Because I'm a poet mostly, and I always wrote poetry because it was short and I could finish it in a day and I could present it or get it published or whatever by the next following week. So it was very quick and easy, and I always like those quick and easy things for Instinct me.
0: Gratification,
1: exactly. Yeah. Sadly, I'm a product of this damn world. <laughs> when it comes down to that. But yeah, that's the only big project uh, film-wise I'm working on. Okay. And then uh, I've got a comic book, uh, like I said before, I, I crowdfunded to print a uh, first and second issue of a graphic novel that I'm doing called Sirens Calling. That's my other pet project, which was supposed to be a, a, a film, but it was uh, it's a period piece, and I'd have to go to L.A., and I hate L.A. with a passion. <laughs> so yeah, it's probably the only thing I, I kind of hate. Don't That's like funny. don't like the city, so uh, <laughs> I was like, you know what? I'm not going to spend a month there, or two months there, or even two days there. Yeah, so I should probably turn this into something where I don't have to travel. So I did the comic book route, and uh, yeah. it's, it actually works better as a
0: comic. That's being flexible with what you have.
1: Absolutely, whatever the idea wants, I can adapt the medium to suit the idea.
0: Yeah. So I always go into a project with the hope of wanting to have fun and to express myself and to meet people. What do you hope to achieve with your work? Why do you do this? Wow, that's a good one. We got to get deep. Yeah, yeah. No, no. no,
1: (laughs) I wish I had a a glass of wine instead of this cup of coffee here. It's a little early, though. I think, for me, the reason that I do this has never changed. It's to to just express myself and my own unique snowflakeness, uh, even though I don't believe that any of us are unique snowflakes these days. Because we're all ourselves, right? And if we want to be unique, we have to figure out a way to stand out. My hope is I don't need to stand out. I just need to get the demons out of my head and onto a page, or onto the screen, or onto a comic book panel, and just kind of learn from from that experience. I do it for myself first and foremost. If I have an audience, it's even better. And the audience that I have built, I'm I'm very privileged to have them and and have them actually ask me things like, "When's the next issue coming out?" or "When's the next film?" You know, the fact that like out of the blue that comes, it's 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 a very humbling thing. But at the end of the day, it's really just me trying to get these these things out of my head before, well, before I get out of my head.
0: You before know. they go away. Yeah. <laughs> or before
1: I go away, you know, because again, <laughs> like, I want to exercise whatever whatever these creatures are before I uh, end up, you know, on a, on a Greek island somewhere, spending my last days, you know, watching a sunset and drinking uh, some Uzo.
0: Yeah. And I was just talking to my husband about a similar thing yesterday. He was saying he wrote something and he found it from a month ago. And he's like, I don't even remember writing this. Where did this come from? I do that all the time. I see scripts, I see poems and random things that I've written or things that I've made, and I don't even know where that came from. Yep, You have to be in the moment to kind of capture whatever inspiration is going through you it's so weird
1: <laughs> no it is it, it is but it, but it's 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 a rewarding thing even especially when you don't know where it comes from you know it's yeah. like this is the creative process this is art and art is life
0: that it's a great note to end on <laughs> all righty so thank you so much for coming on the podcast it was really fun talking to you
1: yeah this was this was great uh, i had a really good time and again thanks for having me lord it's really awesome
0: thank you Before we go, follow John on Instagram and Twitter at Trigonis, T R I G O N I S. He has great motivational videos and tips each day which I really enjoy he's also on Facebook as John T. Trigonis and you can go to his website johntrigonis.com I'll put all those links in the description so you can connect with him as for me I'm filmmaker, artist and your host Laura Mioli you can connect with me getting creative tips and inspiration on social media Twitter, Facebook, Instagram at Laudavision and you can listen to more of these podcasts read my blog watch my videos and contact me just go to laudavision.com and if you like what you've heard please rate and review this podcast on iTunes or SoundCloud. Thanks for listening, but don't go away. Since you like podcasts so much, here's another podcast which you would love. I'll let them tell you about it. Hey, y'all. I'm Courtney Hinton of VerveHouseCollective.com. Verve House Collective is all about creatives, entrepreneurs, and those who want to live an awesome life full of intention. Again, that site is vervehousecollective.com and we'd love to see you.
1: Good morning, Indubians and future friends. I am T Sterling Watson from the Indu podcast and I invite you to stop by and press play. The Endube Podcast is a little bit of everything, just like myself. Topics include entertainment, nerd culture, pop culture, intellectual chats, spirituality, music, or magic if I misread my own handwriting. And you can find me on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, Podbean, Spreaker, YouTube, Google Play, and of course, Endube.com. The podcast and this ad is a 3SFX production.